Last week, I was wrestling, well, the week before, I was wrestling through, what will we do for Easter? I thought, man, if the Lord is... If the Lord does what he's been doing over the, over, the, over the past years for us, more than likely, the message for Easter will be found where we are in Joshua. Sometimes that happens. Not always, but most of the time it's happened. I find that happens when we're faithful to go through the Word of God line upon line. The Lord sometimes will allow us to land right in a place that's perfect for the season. Not always, but often. Well, I'm reading through Joshua chapter 23 and I'm looking for an Easter message. And I'm thinking, what could we say? What, could we, what, what, what would be relevant? And I get to verse 14. And verse 14, if you remember last week, I read it. It says, Joshua saying, Behold, today I'm going to go the way of the earth. And I'm saying, right, he's going to die. He is giving his last message in this chapter to the, the leadership within Israel. To the next chapter, he's going to be speaking to the whole congregation of them. And he is telling them what's on his heart. He is pouring out to them his last words, what is really important. Well, Chapter 23 is a marvelous chapter. But what I wanted to do, hopefully faithfully for you, for, for those that come normally not all the time, but come maybe on, on Easter, and that's the time they come, and, and I wanted them to, to perhaps hear as clearly as possible the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I, I saw in that chapter verses 6, 8, and 11. I mean, they, they jumped out at me like a like a sore thumb. In, in chapter 6, it talked about, uh, he says, take heed to, to keep and do the things of the law. That's chapter, uh, verse 6. I don't know if I said chapter, but I meant verse. Verse 6, verse 8, and verse 11. In verse 6, he says, take heed to keep and do the things of the law. And in, in, in verse 8, he says, I want you to cling to the Lord your God as you have done up to this day. And then in verse 11, he says, I want you to take heed. Uh, in fact, what is it? it's, a, it's such a great little verse. It says, take diligent. That was the word I was searching for. Diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. And we talked about to keep and do and to cling and to love. And then we, we, we made the, the statement that, that death, Jesus Christ has rendered death irrelevant. The reason that Joshua was not concerned about himself, but was concerned about the nation of Israel, is that he knew what was going to happen to him once he died. There was no doubt in his mind. We read out of Isaiah, and we also read for us out of the New Testament that, that, that the Lord our God will care for us once we die. We, we don't just die. We go to be with him in heaven. And so that was kind of what Easter was about for my heart. That's kind of how I kind of put that message all together. But in, in, in between all of that was so much meat in, in this chapter, the 23rd, that, that just couldn't let it go. Had to kind of speak about it today. Because what is it that really Joshua is saying to the people whom he loves so much? In between what we were talking about in chapter 23 is so much meat. There's so much there to find out. And here's the rub of it all. He's not just merely and purely speaking to Israel. These are words for us. This is a, a message that is as pure for us today as it was for them. And that's what I'm going to kind of show you today. I want to show us today what is being done. See, Joshua has two things in mind. Two scenarios that he is going to represent to the people he is speaking to. Number one, he's going to say, you need to be obedient. 
you need to remain obedient. Number two, he says, if you are disobedient, this is going to happen to you. Now let's read and see if you, I'm sure you will be able to, see what in here he is saying, what will happen when you're obedient, and what's going to happen if you're not, not, if you're not obedient, if you're disobedient. Here's their problem. Their problem, let me show you ahead of time. Look at verse 7. Verse 6, he told them, be firm and keep and do all that is written in the book of the law. In order that, verse 7, look, in order that you may not associate with these nations, these which remain among you. You don't mention the name of their gods. You don't swear by any of their gods. You don't serve their gods. You don't bow down to them. Now, here's, here's the problem. None of those people were supposed to be in the land. They were all supposed to be out. So Joshua is saying, you've got a problem here. You've got people in your midst that will try to infiltrate into your, your system, so to speak, your lifestyle, so to speak. And they are going to try to entice you to follow after their small g gods. Don't do that, he says. If you do that, he's going to tell them they're going to lose the land. Now, we know from studying the Word of God that they did it. They did. They lost, they lost it. Because they didn't do as Joshua warned them to do. So, as the Bible is so good, as we're going to point out, you and I learn, we learn by what they did, whether it be good or not so good. For instance, we learn from Joshua. Joshua was a warrior and he was a faithful warrior. But, remember after the battle in Jericho, when they marched around the city, what was it, six, seven times? And when they marched around the cities and the, and the walls all fell down, and they captured the city. The Lord God told them, you're going to capture that city. Here's what's going to happen. But none of that, none of the bounty, none of the jewels, none of the that's in Jericho are yours. All of it goes to me, says the Lord our God. So there was one guy. Remember who he was? Achan. Achan took something, hid it underneath his tent in the ground. We learned from Achan, you shouldn't do that. He got stoned to death and his family. We not only learn from Achan, but we learn from Joshua. Joshua was so full of himself, you might want to say, after beating Jericho up, he saw Ai. Ai was next in line. Ai wasn't as big as Jericho. It wasn't as well fortified as Jericho. So he ran off and said, let's just capture Ai. They run and capture Ai. And while they're there capturing Ai, Ai sends chases the army down the hill and kills 36 of them. To which Joshua says, oh, what am I to do? And finally he falls on his face before God and God says, there's sin in your camp. And what we learn from Joshua at that point is, yes, he was a mighty warrior. Yes, he did good, but he also did some things wrong. And we learn that we cannot rely upon our past victories to, to, to be... Um, to hold or push us through our, our, what's going on in our lives right now. You talk about messing up a thought. That was perfect. I, I just blew that to death. That's, a, that's, that's how you don't communicate right there. Anyways, he, we learned that you can't expect what your past victories to, to, to be something that, that I'm still there aren't I? In, in the future. And so we did learn from that. But we also learned that, that Joshua was quick to repent and, and do what God told him to do. And then we learned from one of my heroes in this book was Caleb. Caleb was old. What is he, 85? And he says, you know, Joshua, I'm as young as I was when we go to spy out the land 40 years ago. I feel as vital today as I did then. And we thought to ourselves, why? What made this guy so vital in his older age? And it was because we learned that he fully followed the Lord his God. 
So we learned. We learned from some of the mistakes and we learned from some of the good things. And that's what we are to do as we go through and study this particular chapter. There's so much here to learn. Read with me, please, chapter 23. It is an exciting place in the Word of God. And see if you can find some of the spots in here that we're going to kind of go over as we... uh, after we get through reading it, and we'll kind of go over it. Verse 1, chapter 3 of Joshua. Now it came about, after many days, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old, advanced in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, and their heads, and their judges, and their officers. And he said to them, I am old, advanced in years. And he said in verse 3, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. See, he says in verse 4, I have apportioned apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes. With all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun. And the Lord your God, he shall thrust them out before you and drive them from before you, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Verse 6, Be very firm then to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand nor to the left, in order that you may not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention by name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you. And as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. One of your men puts to flight a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you, just as he promised you. So, he says in verse 11, Take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you, and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Verse 14, love this verse. Now behold, today I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all of your hearts and in all of your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. Verses 15 and 16 is the warning if they are disobedient. It will come about that just as all the good words which the Lord your God spoke to you have come upon you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until he has destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When or if, when you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and you go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land which he has given to you. And so what we see in this scenario is two sides. Number one, if you're obedient, look again at verse 5. 
At verse 5 says, If you are obedient, he'll remove the enemy. Look at the last part of verse 5. You'll possess the land just as the Lord your God has promised you. That's if you're obedient. He will give you just what he promised to give you. But, he says in verse 13, if you're disobedient, he's going to judge you and he's going to remove you from the land. Look at verse 13. Know for certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you. They will become a snare and a trap to you. They will become a whip to your sides, thorns to your eyes, until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given to you. And so, this is, this is what 20, verse chapter 23 is all about. Two sides of a coin. And each side, you and I get to choose. Will we be obedient and receive the blessings of God? Or will we become disobedient and fall away from Him and receive the curse of God? That's the warning. That's the last word that Joshua wanted to give to the people. Obedient. Be obedient. Be careful. The enemy is in your midst. Now, let's bring it to us today. We need to be careful. We need to be careful because the enemy is all around us, trying to drag us down, trying to conform us into this world that we now live, that is not the world that God has asked us to live in. It is, it is a choice that you and I need to make not to live in this world, but to not be a part of it, but to be in it, of course, but not be conformed to it. And so this is, this is as true to you and me today as it was to Israel back then. Let's pray. And then, let's see the, the wonderful truths that in this chapter. It's, you're going to really love this chapter, I think. Dear Father, please, let me not brag on, on what you're going to say. Uh, I ask you, move me aside, please. Um, uh, God forbid that, that I would uh, take any credit in what you're about to do and say to us. I pray that you would uh, kind of uh, hide me from the fact that, of what we're doing and, and let us hear from your heart that, that wonderful, still, but very, st- very quiet voice that speaks within each of us that we can hear from you. Teach us, Father, uh, from your word. Open up our eyes as we pray that you might, that you might allow us to behold wonderful things from your, your law, the Bible that we've just read and move me aside and And Father, uh, work within each of our hearts and each of our lives as needed. So we give you thanks for who you are. Thank you for last week, Easter Sunday. Uh, Father, we thank you for this Sunday just as much. This Sunday is just as much a celebration of the risen Lord as it was last week. And so may we always rejoice in the fact that we have a Savior that lives and that we can know him and live for him, Father. Bless us now as we study your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let me tell you what's, what's, what's really important here. Joshua is saying to them, the task, the whole idea that you're in the land, that's not the end all and be all of what's going on here. There's more to it than just being in the land. He says, what I want you to realize and recognize, folks, is talking to them, Israel, is that you need to be obedient to the Lord. You need to stay clear of the enemy. You need to stay clear of those that want to teach you about other gods, not bowing down to them, not serving them. Stay away from them. 
And that's basically what it is for us today. The end-all and the be-all for you and me is not purely our salvation. Let's face it. That's the greatest gift that anyone could ever give anybody. That you and I, by asking Jesus Christ into our hearts to forgive us our sins, that we have everlasting life, and that can never be taken away from us, that's the greatest gift that anyone can give anybody at any time. But that's not the end-all and the be-all of our lives. How would I say it? It's, it's like if, if, we, if you wanted to... If you, if you wanted all your life to play with the, for the Dodgers, say for instance, or the Angels, I don't care, you choose. And you, that's what you wanted to do. And, and you finally got a uniform, but you're always on the bench. You just never got to play. That's, that's what happened to me. And, and <laughs> it's not so much fun. It's one thing to be on the team. It's another thing to participate. One of the greatest gifts that God has given you and me is the ability to participate in the whole kingdom that's going on around us, to be a part of of what God is doing here on this earth, using you. I mean, what greater thrill would there be than, of course, that we have salvation? I'm not foolish. I'm so happy that that I have that I have a free pass. I'm going to heaven. I, I, I rejoice in the thought of that. But I really start now, as, as I understand more about the Word of God, I rejoice in the fact that I can live for my Savior right here and now, while I'm alive. I, I can make maybe an impact by the grace of God to the people I come in contact with. And that's what the joy of really life is all about. I mean, doing things for the Lord, and all of a sudden you die and you're in heaven, and you start looking around, you know, you see, oh, look at that screen. Or, you know, you just start seeing the things in heaven and you hear a voice come from behind you saying, hey, John, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest, really. Those words are said not because I accepted my Savior. Those words are said because, hopefully, I am obedient to what he has asked me to do here on this earth. And that's what Joshua is saying to the people of Israel. He is saying, you have the promised land. It is yours. Now, I want you to be obedient. I want you to do the things that God's called you to do to receive the blessings while you're in the land. And the great danger was that they would gradually change. That is, change their attitudes towards God. They would fall towards the pagan nations, intermarry, accept their ways, imitate them. And so Joshua is giving them and us, I might add, a strong motive for remaining separated people. The word for us today is sanctified. That is to be set apart. You and I as believers are sanctified, set apart for the things of God. We are a separate people set apart to serve the Lord and He only. And that's how we are to live our lives. I want you to see this. Turn with me, please, to 1 John. Way, hold your place here. We're going to come right back. 1 John's way in the back. Not the Gospel John, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and that John, but the John that is right near the book of Revelation. So if you go to the end of your Bible and turn to the left, you'll find uh, 3 John and 2nd, and then 1 John. John is giving a warning that that you and I, as now believers, just as Joshua was giving to Israel then, not to be a part of their world, John is saying that you and I are not to be a part of this world. Look what he says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. Verse 15, John says, Do not 
love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, and he's going to mention three different lusts, three different now, three different things of life that I think is the, about the only way that, that we can be tempted to sin. He says in verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the boastful pride of our lives is not from the Father. It is from the world. And he says the world, in verse 17, is passing away, and also its lusts. But the person who does the will of God, that person lives forever. And so that is, the, that is basically what Joshua is saying to Israel back in the book of Joshua, the 23rd chapter. He said, don't fall into the temptations of their, their lifestyle. Don't imitate them. Don't serve their gods. Don't love their gods. Don't do anything concerning their gods. But rather, he says, I want you to separate yourself from them. Three things, at least, that Joshua asks for. Back to Joshua chapter 23, verses 3 and 4. Joshua reminds them of what the Lord did for them. Now, I would remind you and me what the Lord our God has done for us. He says in verse 3, look. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. The Lord your God is He who has been fighting for you. Same is true in your life and my life. The Lord God is the one who is doing battle for us. All He asks us in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through is to remain obedient. He says, See, verse 4, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes with all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan, even to the great sea towards the setting of the sun. From the day that Israel left Egypt, the Lord God fought for them. He drowned the Egyptian army after they left Egypt. He defeated Amalek as they were... Uh, out in the wilderness. He defeated all of their enemies as they marched towards Canaan. And then God finally gave His people, Israel, victory over the nations and He gave them their inheritance, the promised land. And so Joshua reminds the people, as I remind you and me, God will never ever fail us. Look at verse 14. It's, It's such a glorious verse. Behold, Joshua says, Today I am going the way of all the earth. I'm about to die, he's telling them. And you know this, he says, You know in all of your hearts and you know in all of your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All has been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. All he's asking them to do is remember, and and I say the same thing to you and me, remember the good things that God has brought your way, the wonderful things that God has blessed you and me with. He is saying if you trust him, if you obey his word, then he would make you completely victorious. And the same thing is true for us. That ought to be a great comfort for us as we, as we read the Bible and see what has taken place in the past so that we can learn from it. 
I told you a little while ago, we learned from Achan, we learned from Joshua, we learned from Caleb, we learned from a lot of things. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 and 11, and in Romans chapter 15 and 4, it says this. If you want to, you can turn there. But listen to these words. I might be through reading it by the time you get there. Verse 6. Now it says, these things happened. What things? The things happened when they were in the wilderness. These things happened as an example for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they craved. In other words, as the people of Israel craved the evil things, it happened so that we can examine what they did so that we won't become like them. Verse 11 says, These things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. And then Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says, Whatever was written in earlier times. In other words, whatever you read and learn from the Old Testament, they were written for our instruction so that through perseverance and through the encouragement of the Scripture, you and I might find find hope. He is saying when you're going through whatever it is that you and I are going through, whatever difficulties there is, we need to remember that not one word that God has given us will fail. Everything is going to come to pass. He will be with us and He will care for us. He loves us that much. And so knowing God's Word ought to encourage us to trust Him more. Knowing God's Word ought to allow us to face our enemies and our circumstances with courage and confidence, just like He told Joshua in the first chapter. Knowing God's Word makes us realize that our ultimate victor is none other than Jesus Christ, not us. He will give us the victory because just as He promised them, He says to us today, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. So, he reminds them about what God did for them. In verses 5 and 6, we learn the secret. It's not such a big secret of Joshua's success. It was that he was devoted to the Word of God. Look at verse 6. He says, be firm, very firm then, to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the Law of Moses so that you might not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. That ought to remind you automatically. Hopefully I've read it enough to us in the first chapter, verses 7, 8, and 9, when Joshua was reminded by God, be strong, Joshua, be very courageous. I'm reading out of verse 7 of chapter 1. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it, neither to the right nor to the left, so that you might have success wherever you go. And then the Lord said to him, this book of the law, this this Bible should not depart from our mouths. We should meditate on it day and night so so we be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then he says, you'll make your way prosperous. Then he says, you will have success. And then God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Don't tremble. Don't be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That promise is not just an Old Testament promise. And so Joshua's reliance upon the Word of God made him strong and made him victorious and made him understand that God was in control. Joshua ended up obeying God's commandments and believing all of God's promises. So much so that he could say, as we just read in verse 14, not one of them, not one of the things that God has promised you and me has failed. And the same is true in your life and my life. 
Now I want to say something to you, and I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Hold your place here. I want to say something to you that I think is, is going to be as, as important a word that I will ever tell you. What I want to say to you is it is not enough. Now listen closely, please, because it's so important. It is not enough just to know the Word of God. That almost sounds blasphemous if you don't listen to what else I want to say. But we also, also must know the God of the Word. Let me tell you the example I got of that, the best I've ever had in my life. I, I used to go to conferences with athletes a lot, in the ministry that I did before I got into church ministry. And it was a glorious time because I met some of the most interesting people in the world. I met just so many wonderful and interesting people. One guy in particular is a guy named Colonel McNair, Colonel Nimrod McNair. Got to know him really good. Got to kind of enjoy his company so much. And I would ask him stuff because he, he was a fighter pilot in World War II. He was a guy that wore those scarves, you know, flying after and do those dog fights where, they, where they'd fight down and, and, and kill the enemy. And he was one of the most decorated of all the fighter pilots. And he said to me, as I learned more about him, I said, you know, tell me about your life. It's just incredible the things that you have done. And he became a very successful business person. And so he told me, he said, you know, after the dogfights, after I would fight and, and shoot down three or four different planes, he said, I'd go back to the, to the base. And he says, I'd walk back into my, my, my room. And he said, I'd take off my shoes and I'd kick up my feet on a chair. And he said, I'd draw, he used to always say this, I'd draw three fingers of bourbon and I'd read my Bible. I said, what? I said, are you advocating drinking and driving or drinking and reading? He says, no. He says, I didn't know the Lord. He says, I read about the Bible because, he says, every, life, every day my life was on the edge. And I wanted to know what it meant about life, and I thought the Bible might tell me. And so I drink, get drunk, and read the Bible, he says. I knew he said the Word. I just didn't know the God who was in the Word. And then he said someone told him about Jesus Christ, and he gave his life to him. Now I want you to hear what Paul says. That's Nimrod McNair, Colonel. But here's the Apostle Paul. Oh, gosh, I didn't turn. Let me get to Philippians with you, please. Hold on, I'm sorry. I'll find it quick because it's kind of, I, I can hardly open my Bible. I don't go to the fourth chapter of Philippians. It says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The word rejoice means find your joy. In other words, Paul is saying, Find your joy in the Lord always. Again, he says, Find your joy in Him. Then he says in verse 5, Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. Forbearing spirit means uh, wherever you go. In other words, wherever your spirit might go, let it be known to all men that the Lord is near. In other words, let all people you come in contact with, wherever you may travel, that the Lord is your God and He is near. Then it says in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The reason we can be, be anxious for nothing, which I think is a, it's hard for me to, I, I still am working on that. I get anxious over almost everything. But, 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 but by, 
by going to, to God in prayer with everything. And supplications means being specific, telling Him exactly what, it want, what you want. In other words, if, if you're, there's something wrong with your elbow, don't say there's something wrong with my body. Say, Lord, it's, it's right there. See it? Look, right there. You know, be very specific about your prayers. But go to Him in prayer. Go to Him in prayer all the time, it says. Everything in prayer and supplication. And then with thanksgiving, the reason you and I can be thankful is because we're going to the very one, the only one who can change it, if He so desires. Now that's just a lead-in to what, I want to, what, I want to, what Paul wants to say here in verses 7, 8, and 9. If and when you do these things, it says the peace of God, that's the key, peace of God, three words, Peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul then says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, I say to you, all of that verse 8 is talking about Jesus. He is true. He is honorable. He is right. He is pure. He is lovely. He is of good repute. If there is anything that is worthy of praise, He is the only one that we are to praise. So I say that verse 8 is talking about Jesus. He says, let your mind, at the end of verse 8, let your mind dwell on these things, the goodness of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So He says in verse 9, these things that you have learned and you have received, and you have heard, and you have seen in me, practice them. Practice these things. And the God of peace shall be with you. Oh, look, there's those words again. But look at the difference. Verse 7 says that you and I will have the peace of God. But the verse 9 tells us, if we let our minds dwell on Jesus Christ, if we practice the things we've heard, we'll not have the peace of God. We're going to have the God of peace. Let me tell you, verse 9 is so much more powerful than verse 7. It's one thing to have the peace of God. It's a whole other thing to have the God who gives you your peace. That's key. And that's what Colonel Nimrod McNair was explaining to me. He says, I knew about the Word of God. I just didn't know about the God who was in the Word. And Paul is saying here, you can have the peace of God. That's, that comes and that goes. But once you have the God who gives you the very peace, that, he says, will linger on and on and on. And he says, he shall be with you. That's what you and I are driving for. That's why we're studying the Bible as we do. That's why we don't make any pretense here in this church. I mean, I had someone tell me one time, um, they said that they, f- they finally got their wife to come. And, and, and she came to church and she said, what's the big deal? All he does is a Bible study. That's what we do. We study the Bible because that's the only thing that's important. That's all that's going to change our lives to understand and to finally come to know and understand the Word of God. And so it is, a, it is a critical for you and me to know the importance of the Word of God. Because once we know the Word of God, we will slowly but surely, once we practice the things we know, start to know the God who has given us the Word. It's, it's like night and day. I want you to watch this now and we're going to close. 
Some of God's promises are conditional and some of them are unconditional. Let me try to explain. When Israel entered into and conquered the land, that was a fulfillment of God's promise to them. That was an unconditional promise. That was His promise. He made it happen. He fought for them. He won the battles. He gave them the land. You and I have come to Jesus Christ. That's an unconditional promise of God. He's done it all for you. You had to do nothing. You didn't have to go to the cross. You didn't have to shed your blood. You didn't have to die. You didn't have to raise from the dead. You had to come to Christ. That was an unconditional promise that God has made to you and me. Come to Him. You have everlasting life. The condition of it was for Israel, their enjoyment in the land, their their. Their blessings in the land depended upon their obedience to the word of God. If they were obedient, God says, I will keep you in the land. I will give you all the blessings that comes with your inheritance. That is conditional though. You have to be obedient to receive it. You and me as Christians, we've got eternal life, unconditional. Once we have eternal life, then the condition comes to us. We now have to be obedient to experience all the blessings. Some of you maybe wonder why it is you don't have a peace that you ought to have. You're a Christian. You've been a Christian for a while, but you don't feel like you have the peace. I'm telling you, maybe it's because you've never really gotten into the Word of God. You've never practiced the things that you've learned. You've never really got to, to know Him so well that you practice and you've seen and you've heard and you receive that all of a sudden the God of peace has overtaken your life. Once the God of peace is overtaking your life, folks, it is a whole another ball game. It's like being a ball player like me or being a ball player like John Verhoeven. You don't want to be like me. You want to be like him. You want to be good. And to be good, you have to really practice. You have to become what God has asked you to become as a believer. And so, Joshua is warning them. He says, our God will bless you if you're obedient. But if you are disobedient, he says, he's going to chasten you. And he is going to chase you out of the land. What Joshua wanted them to realize is from verse 7 of chapter 23 to the end of the chapter. He wanted them to realize that the most important thing for them was to remain a separated people. He wanted them to... To, to, to remain as we just read in 1 John chapter uh, 2, verses 15, 16, and 17, where it says, don't love the things of this world. Don't, don't be a part of the things of this world. It's passing away. You and I need to center our thoughts and our hearts and our minds upon the things of God. And so he wanted them to be separated from the, the, the other nations, not to follow after their gods. And so... The Lord God is saying to you and me today that we need to be sanctified, set apart. We need to be obedient. We want to be people who follow our Lord and our God. It's not that hard. It's just, I was going to probably say something that was too close, but it is difficult. I mean, anyone that says it's not, it's lying to you. Walking, walking, the, walking your faith is, is difficult. I mean, we're bent towards sin, like it or not. That's why we need a Savior. 
But thank God for 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's, it bothers me that I, I know that verse so well. I mean, I have to go to it all the time. I'm always asking the Lord, Oh, Father, forgive me. Uh, I've sinned. And the Lord is faithful to do that, faithful to, to, to give me His righteousness and, and make me just because of what Jesus Christ did. And He wants to do the same to you and me. And what He wants us to become are people who are obedient to Him. Like Joshua wanted for those people of Israel, he wanted them to separate themselves from basically sin. And that's what I want for us. I want us to separate from those things that that, that drag us down and entangle us so that we we kind of become disobedient when we shouldn't be. That's the crux of chapter 23. It's To me, it's, it's one of the great chapters in all of Scripture. It's a great reminder of, of how we are able to and ought to live a life that is set apart for our Lord and our God and receive the blessings and to hear the most, most wonderful words that you and I will ever hear. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. That doesn't happen because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That happens because you want to live an obedient life while you are a believer. I guess I hope that made sense. Father, please, you, you make sense out of this for all of us. and Draw us, Father, to understand you better and know you more as Paul so desires that that we have yes the peace of God but more he wants us to practice the things that we have learned and and received and heard and seen and and then father Paul says because of your words that you gave him then we'll know you the very God who gives us the peace father that's what we want we live in difficult times right now we need not just the peace of you we need you who will give us the peace thank you for this time thank you for this chapter can't wait to meet joshua someday dear father but more importantly i I look forward to seeing your son now we ask your your blessings upon us as we go would you bless us mightily father we pray in jesus precious name Amen. Hey, I love you folks more than I can tell you. Oh, thanks. Have a great, great day, and uh, I'll see you next week.